Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello. (laughs) You host. That makes more sense. Go. I thought that's what you said beforehand. Yeah, it probably was. I've been pre gaming, man. I don't know. All right, everybody, welcome in to the Tuco Rask Retirement Group Therapy Session, also known as Season 3, Episode 40 of the Bruise and Bruins Podcast. If you are listening chronologically, first of all, I'm sorry. Second of all, you did not miss Episode 39. Uh, we are dedicating Episode 39, which would have been uh, our last one last week. Uh, it is the the Tomb of the Unknown podcast, we'll say. <laughs> uh, we've had a couple of lost soldiers out there who uh, we've recorded. A couple of them have been Chanel, our good friend. I was going to say they're all Chanel. <laughs> they're pretty much like two out of three Chanel <laughs> um, that have been lost to the void. So in honor of, of, of honoring those, I suppose, and also lining up, obviously, episode 40 of season three with the Tukorask retirement news, it's only natural. My name is Cam Hasbrook. We've got Drew Johnson here as usual. Chris Gear is not here. He is out on a missionary trip in South Africa right now. What do you mean he's better right half? <laughs> oh, is he here? It me. I'm oh, it's you. Okay, sorry. Oh. We do have uh, definitely not his better half. Then it's just Chris, <laughs> and definitely not goaltending expert Cat Silverman. Um. Oh man, how is everybody doing? It's been a tough twenty-four hours. Yeah. I <laughs> feel like Yeah. I feel like it they they snuck the news in while I was at work and uh I got home and saw it and I was like that's a dirty trick cuz all the all the takes have been taken and like all the all the lamenting has been done for like the last 3 hours and I've been just, like dicking around at work so it, yeah. it made me feel like I was robbed of because I was so prepared for him to announce his retirement when, like, essentially when the season started. Yeah. And then, so I was, like, prepared. I had myself all ready, and then it happened while I was at work yesterday, so. That was similar I, with me. Yesterday, I was I was super busy with work, and it just kind of slipped up. And I was like, oh, man. And then I had to go cover, like, some meeting from, like, at 7 p.m. or some shit. Um, so <laughs> I, it kind of just like brushed by me. And then it was when I woke up today and was like thinking about it. I was like, fuck, no more Tuka. 
That's crazy. And I saw how they were playing tonight, and I'm like, fuck, no more Tuca. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But just like such a staple in just my time growing up watching the Bruins. I mean, uh, yeah, the number of goaltenders there. Raycroft, uh, Defoe, uh, Toivonen. I, but after Thomas's like run there, uh, it was Tuca. It was always Tuca. So it's just kind of amazing to just see that chapter end. And I wish it could have ended in any other way than uh, an injury. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll get into that in just a second. But first, let's uh, let's all toast to Tuca's career with uh, – Everybody's got beer. I think that's good. This is the Bruce and Bruins podcast. Cheers, everybody. Here, I'll give it a little doink. Um, and with that, we'll go around, see what everybody's drinking. We'll start here in Portland. Drew, what you got, my dude? I have an omission IPA, which I've reviewed many times on the podcast. It says, okay, now it's saying gluten reduced. I thought these were gluten-free. Bro. Oh, no. <laughs> what do you... This is great. Drew's finding out so, that like, This is completely fine because I drink like fun. regular IPAs and stuff. Like I got a little gluten tolerance to cash in. It's just not big. So, But I feel like I'm being portrayed here. <laughs> like, whoa, hold on. It's just a little bit less. Um, but yeah, drinkability... Uh, Now this is on the scale of it's it's my third. Um, Twenty eight. Um, tasteability. Eighteen. It doesn't matter. Forty and forty. Fuck it. <laughs> so you do another forty today, maybe? Yeah, forty forty vision. There you go. Uh, uh, sorry. Um, Chris, what do you have? <laughs> um. So I. In in true me fashion, like I forgot that I was coming on until I got home and realized nice. that I had no beer of my own at home. Um, Pretty much because so. I drank it all when Chris was here two visits ago. So I think that was last. Is that month. just something you have to do, like there. dealing with him being there? You just have to no. Drink all the beer I, or, oh. I usually try and like I usually try and make a beer run while he's here. And uh, the last time he was here. Um, I kind of left him hanging in the wind. Um, I couldn't get off work on Saturday, so I had him stay home with Iz um, for eight hours. And they ended up, she told him that she wanted to go to the mall and didn't want to go back home at all. So she spent, poor Chris spent eight hours at the mall. Um, and yeah, it was it was a whole thing. Um, Iz got lots of, lots of treats. Um, I did not other than eight hours not at the mall, which I feel like I'm the winner there. Um, so yeah, he was too <laughs> tired to like do anything other than go home and nap. So we didn't really pick up any alcohol. So I am drinking one of Richie's beers um, per his permission. Uh, he, this is a HC Bosch's uh, Turbo Prop Imperial Pills. It's called a propeller beer. Wow. Um, it is from... There's a lot of peas going on there. Uh, Bad Lops, uh, Germany. Um, it's a product of Germany, 6.5%. Uh, I don't know, it tastes pretty good. I'm, I'm a big fan of German beers. Um, oh, yeah. So, let me... 
it's a little on the drier side, but not not too bitter. Um, I don't know. I'll go forty or forty for both. Just nice. just because. I, I was I was wondering if you were going to go nine for the German. <laughs> no. I was not. Um, this beer is actually from my parents. Um, my dad was at Costco when when it's got some teeth extracted earlier this year, picking up like liquid diet stuff for her, and came home with a German beer advent calendar for Richie in the middle of September. Um, <laughs> and so he got he got twenty five like giant beers from my parents and then his parents bought him a bunch of beers so we look like we're stocking up like a like a craft brew house so so i took the one that i thought looked the least like like his thing um it was pretty good yeah so you're stocking up like a fraternity house but i don't think you're gonna see many german imported beers at fraternity house. no so. that's i i paused <laughs> not my experience at least natty light that's, that's <laughs> yeah there. i i paused when i i almost said that because uh my parents brought beer for chris and i too from texas and we've we've burned through that um but even that was good texas beer it was like saint arnold and shiner it wasn't lone star uh shouts to fellow houstonian logan mullen um who could not come on tonight, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, Logan's getting a new job and stuff. Fucking loser. <laughs> I was about to say congrats to him. But right I now, yeah, no, honestly. Uh, stoked to... Shouts to Logan. Super stoked to see what uh, he's got in store for us. But um, as for the final beer, I think I had this one out a couple weeks ago. It's uh, Lone Pine OJ IPA, double IPA from no. Brewing uh 8.1% and delicious. I definitely had this on uh fresh squeezed american hops packed into a pure citrus juice box, 0% fruit, fresh never frozen, not from concentrate it says on the side. It is very citrusy. You definitely get kind of the orange sweetness, but it's a little hoppy too, so you, you get like a nice balance between sweetness and uh and bitterness. It is super thick and hazy. It looks like there's like should be pulp in there. Like there's the little bubbles that you see at the bottom of a beer glass and you kind of mistake them for pulp because of the OJ branding. Uh, definitely does not pass the Drew test. I cannot see him through my glass. Um, nor can I taste him, thankfully. Uh, drinkability. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> drinkability is going to be a 10. Uh, it's, a, it's a very, very good IPA. And on a scale of IPAs, you probably could like for being eight plus percent, you could definitely pound a couple of them. Um, but it is still a pretty heavy IPA. So you're not going to be, you know, shotgunning them. Uh, taste, you can, you can really taste it. Like I said, very fruit forward, obviously with the citrusiness. Uh, taste is going to be a Pretty much a 36. It's about as close as they can get. Or I guess like a 39 in, in on the Tuca scale for this episode. So quite good. Um, I, I, I want to just add, I don't like that beer. I've had it a few times and I don't like it. You don't it. like OJ, really? Nope. I'm put it out there. I don't like the overly citrusy stuff. I like kind of like a little bit in there, but the over citrusy things. 
Yeah, it gives you that feeling like you're like you're drinking like legitimate orange juice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. like if you're not into that in beer, then it's for some people for sure. But not if you're not in that in beer, Jesus Christ! I am superior. I do not like orange juice tasting orange beer like cam beer. Yeah, what about like Blue Moon? We just like an orange in the beer. I was gonna say that it looks like Blue Moon, or like, like it does kind of like, look like Blue Moon. Yeah. I like Bloom's got more of like a roundedness to it. If that makes, I don't know if that makes any sense, but like I mean, that's how my Blue Moon's like a three point five percent. Yeah, so it's not nearly as heavy. I like Blue Moon because of their branding, just like how the bottles and cans look. Yeah, I actually that's have you like had the... why I. That's the only reason I drink a Blue Moon. Once in a Blue Moon is when there I have go. a Blue Moon. Have you had the Blue Moon? Um, I think it's called like the Light Sky. It's like their light version. Comes in like a kind of like a skinny no. white can so it looks like a white no, club um it's really solid actually i had one when i was down in pittsburgh we were at top golf and like my girlfriend's like aunt got a bucket of them we were just like yeah sure we'll just crush a few and they were delicious actually really they taste a lot like blue moon but just a little crispier um crispy. yeah really really good stuff we'll check it out um Anyway, you know who's going to have a lot more time for drinking beer nowadays, or probably the finished long drink, more accurately. Or Bud Light. Oh, sorry. Or Bud Light. We got to bleep that out. We do. No free endorsements. Nope. (laughs) Even though we give them all the time. Uh, Tugarask, of course. It's Look, I mean, it's a a day that we saw coming for a while, but kind of like we mentioned before, I don't think any of us were quite ready for when it happened. That was kind of in cat's boat where like last season i was like yeah i think he's gonna keep going a bit like obviously the injury happened the hip surgery is like oh who knows kind of had mentally prepared myself i think i would have been still a little bit surprised if he had retired but i had sort of been ready for it over the summer and then of course you know he says he wants to come back and give it one more run and you're like hell yeah uh and you know obviously the couple months of the season you're kind of banking on him coming back in the spring and, and really you know, not necessarily carrying the team, but at least having that option of like, hey, you know, maybe Rask can get hot late in the season, and that that changes your entire outlook. Um, even with how stable the Bruins goaltending tandem had been, kind of toward that late half of the first half, um, and then obviously, you know, he comes back and looks good initially for a very brief moment there, looked really strong, uh, and then obviously the next couple of games weren't quite as good, and you could deal, tell he was sort of dealing with something. Um, and then even then it was like, oh, he's going to be scratched for a few days, some maintenance, which like, you know, it's goalies. That happens all the time for any hockey player, but especially for goalies, like maintenance is, is very routine. Um, and then all of a sudden you just kind of get blindsided with this, that Rask, you got, I think the day before somebody said Rask is, you know, his retirement decision is coming in the next few hours, something like that. And then it ended up being the next day that it was officially announced. So, you know, there was, there were certainly indications of it. And and from a year to year standpoint, you knew it was coming, but I still didn't quite feel like prepared for it. And it sounds like you guys were in a similar boat. I feel like we haven't gotten, and it's, it, it's sort of all compounding, right? Like we had the first, we had the Roberto Luongo retirement, which really was, it was, that was a massive letdown because it's, it seemed kind of like Florida kind of, told him you will retire thank you um he wasn't really given any option there and then you had almost immediately after that you had Henrik Lundqvist who was unceremoniously ousted from New York 
signed a deal with Washington. We thought we were going to get to see his essentially one year farewell tour, not unlike what we saw with, uh, with Marty Berger, we ended up sort of fizzling out with the blues. Um, and then he had the heart condition. So he had to sort of, we never got to see that, that thank you game, right? We never really got to see that last one where we all gave him his, his applause and his cheers. Corey Crawford's really the only one that in the last couple of years, we've gotten that, that potential opportunity for where a lot of people more or less knew that that was going to be his last game, most likely with Chicago, if not in the league entirely. So we at least got to see a nice standing ovation. We got to see a lot of players go over and, and sort of congratulate him on his career at the end of the game. And then he signed with New Jersey. We thought we were going to get to see him. And then he retired before the season started. So I feel like we like we got to see the Sedins make their announcement for the end of their careers where they got to do their almost farewell tour. And we didn't get to see that with, we had such a goaltending powerhouse with Tuka Rask and, yeah. and Lundquist. And, and now we've got Carey Price who hasn't been playing this season either. So all the, all the giants have really been sort of not, not getting their due at the end. there. really the only two that are left are Marc-Andre Fleury and Jonathan Quick. And I'm hoping that at least the two of them are going to get, decent farewell tours there that they're actually going to get their standing ovation for their last games but we're not really we, we didn't get to that that was it I think for me it was we didn't really get to see that for for Rask because I think we all thought that we were going to get at least another couple of games before the season was over to more or less know that it was going to be his last game yeah. so you feel like there was going to be something yeah I was I was kind of thinking earlier how it, it is much like Lundqvist, where it's this like goalie that's been with this team for their entire career hasn't has gotten close but hasn't been able to lead them to a cup. Obviously, Tuca won it with the Bruins in 2011 as the backup, but like being that franchise goaltender and you know finally achieving that as a starter. Um, and then, yeah, just having to go out for health, health issues unceremoniously. I think I said that right. And uncer I can't say it again. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I just kind of draw those comparisons and like I, I what really like I'm reflecting on watching Lundquist's uh, number retirement ceremony. And then I watched a bunch of like video clips that he had on Jimmy Fallon where he like played guitar and shit. And then I just, then he posted on Instagram videos of him playing guitar. Anyway, Tuca needs to do something like that. Um, Be a really yeah. good metal band with, with the two yeah. of them. What would their, what would a good goalie band name be? Um, That's an amazing question. Um, I know that uh, Pecorine is also a really big metalhead, so I think if you get the three of them together, and then like as soon as Robin Lehner decides to retire, they can come up with some very, very intense goalie band name and just I, crash it over in Scandinavia. Yeah, some Scandinavian is all. I think for them it would be it would be three Ks or three three U's three Ks. Three goalies, three U's three Ks, three goalies. <laughs> I don't know. So then they need a goalie without any of the those letters. In the exactly. Anyway, exactly. I derailed this there. I'm sorry. No, it's all right. I mean, uh, um, <laughs> just <clears throat> pulling it back into Rask. Um, I mean, Kat kind of mentioned like the the powerhouses of 
of the sort of 2010s for lack of a better you know range we'll call it leading into the early 2020s like nhl goalies fizzling out now and and we're getting that also just from the a bruins perspective i mean obviously the, the core of that 2011 team has been breaking down for the last decade and losing char a couple seasons ago crazy this offseason and now rask it's crazy and tonight being thursday they played i think their second game uh in the last decade that had no members of the 2011 stanley cup winning team actually active for the game uh, with marshan suspended and bergeron injured uh so you know it's it a hard, <laughs> a, a, something's changing here in boston i guess is what i'm trying to say um and yeah, we're going to, it's the future is very uncertain, but I, I think a lot of people are kind of exaggerating. I, I think a lot of people are seeing the changes and thinking the sky is falling and forgetting about the Charlie McAvoy's and the yeah. David Posternock's and the Jeremy Swayman's. I mean, obviously, there's holes still, um, especially down the middle. Once Bergeron leaves, you have a big gap in center. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But we're seeing that now for sure. Has, like pretty premier top end young talent. So, that's a conversation for another time. Let's talk a little bit more about Tukes. Um, I had a couple of like notes I want to just go over here. The first one being, now that the career is wrapped up, you kind of look at it all as one story here. And it has the perfect, per who I think, and I think you guys would agree, is the best goaltender in franchise history for the Bruins. It's, it started out like you could not have written a more storybook ending. You look at the rivalry that's going to develop throughout his career. For the most part, it's going to be the Bruins and the Maple Leafs. And to see him be drafted by Toronto, the Bruins trade for him, which, by the way, I don't know who the scout was or the assistant GM or whoever who like had the Ryan Rask and was like, we fucking need this kid. But they're, they were probably feeling damn good yesterday looking back on their work. Mm-hmm. Uh, drafted by Toronto – Traded to the Bruins, wins his first game against the Leafs. I mean, this is like some Hollywood storybook shit. And then goes on to pretty much torture them for the next decade in the playoffs. That alone should be enough to like cement him into the Bruins lore forever. But mm-hmm. of course, he had an outstanding career after that. We asked all of our listeners for some submissions about their favorite Rass moments. We'll get to that in a little bit. But first, we're going to play a brand new game on Bruce and Bruins. Oh, called, good God. Is that good? Our first contestant will be Kat Silverman. Kat, you have to answer the question, is that good? Luckily, she's a goaltending expert, so I think she'll be able to do all right. Kat, question one. Tuka Rask's career regular season save percentage, 0.9210. Good enough for fourth in National Hockey League history. Kat, is that good? That's terrible. I'm kidding. No, that's that's absurdly good. Yeah, he is, let's see, tens, hundreds, thousands, ten thousands. He's just... Which would be a hundredth, right? No, that would be the next one. Tens, hundreds, ten thousands, then I would assume ten thousands of a percentage away from third place uh, on the all-time list. And if he, I'm pretty sure if he played at his like kind of career trajectory this season for a full year, he probably would have ended up at the top of that list. You know, obviously, who knows, but... The way he was trending, it looked like he probably would have snagged number one. Uh, question two, Cat. Regular season goals against average for Tuka, 2.28, 12th in NHL history. Cat, is that good? Yes, that is good. That's two for two. Two for two so far on the good. All right, obviously, we've talked about 
you know, counting wins and losses in the past for goalies is kind of silly, much like pitchers in baseball. But when it's this lopsided, you have to at least consider it. All-time record, 306 wins, 163 losses, and 66 overtime losses. Cat, is that good? Yes, that is. Three for three so far. This guy's look, this Tuka guy is looking pretty good. <laughs> All right, next one. Playoff save percentage, Tugarass career, 925 for a goalie who the haters say is not good in the playoffs. A 925 career save percentage, which is ninth best in NHL history and also number one in NHL history among goalies with at least 100 playoff games. Cat, is that good? Yes, that is good. That is good. I might even argue that it's not good. It's great. It is elite there. I that would have been worth extra point. Is there a point that, you know, what would make this game more exciting is like a point system. Yeah. Or like well, a prize. Like we could just four. like, like we can get this car and we buy a car. Blank lights. <laughs> you know? Uh, one more for you, Kat. <clears throat> Franchise leader in games, wins, saves, and goals saved above average. Is that good? Yes, that is good. Wow. Yeah, that's you heard it here absurd. first, folks. Tuka that's Rask absurd to think good. about. I, I mean, crazy. there are a lot. I I believe it was a. I'm trying to think of who it was. There was a goaltender that I was looking at recently who had ended up taking over the wins record for their team, and that just showed how how shallow their their career pool was in terms of overall wins. And it's kind of the opposite when you look at Rask, because that's an original six team. The mm-hmm. fact that he's still number one in all those categories, not it doesn't just show the essentially how good he is. It shows his longevity there, because yeah. I, we've seen some really good goaltenders that have come and gone. And I think it's, it's just absurd that he was that good for that long, which... Mm-hmm. I, I know I was looking a couple nights ago working on a, a prospect thing and I I noticed that that I think it was from like 2015 to 2018 was like some of the best years we've seen in in goaltending I want to say across the NHL period like all time any era and the league the league's average goals against was 2.51 this year it's like 2.7 something and Rask's is below that so he he was performing he was essentially skewing that curve even during the best years for the league which I think is and with with all the noise too there's some goaltenders who I don't think it's ever easy but there's some goaltenders who have uh more more welcoming environments that they're playing in the noise is a little bit more muted I think that Henrik Lundqvist had some some people who were just, you know, just out to lunch who I know when when he retired, there were some people who were arguing among Rangers fans, which is absurd that that he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame, which I think he's a he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Easily. Um, <laughs> but for the most part, like that was that was King Henrik, right? Like New Yorkers loved him. And then you get to Boston and that's a substantially harder market for Rask to play in because there was so much perfection expected of him and Bostonians are not quiet about it. (laughs) 
when you aren't performing, yep. when you aren't when you aren't meeting this incredibly elite standard, not even just across the season, but from game to game, they're very loud about it. And I think he he showed a lot of just mental longevity too to manage to keep his game at such a consistent level year to year, while essentially being told that he sucked anytime he he allowed more than two goals in a game. Mm-hmm. And if he allowed that second goal late in the game, like he also sucked. So yeah, it was, I think that's, that's truly remarkable. And he's still had fun with it. I mean, that's, it seemed like up until the very end, he was still having a blast and that's, yeah. it's hard to maintain the joy of, of something that's that strenuous without really, really loving what you're doing. And I, I think he, he pulled that off. So, yeah, I think in something I won't miss is the is that noise. Just like especially on Twitter, that could be rough. Or social media, really. I'm part of a a Bruins group on Facebook. Somehow I like found it and liked it at one point, and I just stay <laughs> in it to see. Just like, what are people thinking? Um, <laughs> and sometimes I don't want to know. Sometimes I do. Sometimes there's some solid opinions in there. And then sometimes there's the what the fuck would ask. Uh, I actually think I sent Cam, I, I sent you and Chris a screenshot of one the other night that I had saw. Maybe it was yesterday. Sure. <laughs> I haven't been checking the group chat much myself. So maybe, maybe it's just Chris talking to himself now. But um, <laughs> no, that, uh, yeah, I think, damn it. I had something to say about that. Shit, <laughs> oh, it's all right. You got it? No, maybe. It was something about the the Facebook group and Tuker ask. Twitter and you oh, sent it okay. To so, you know, it, there's all that noise, and I'm looking forward to not hearing that noise maybe for a bit. But I think it's gonna take a few years for you know the Rask haters to come around and realize. I think they will realize how good they had it, and they kind of took it for granted because I think like Swayman's a good goaltender. I, th- I think like he has that potential that he's going to be a solid starter, but like, I don't think people realize this is like an elite goaltender. Like this is now like a Bruins legend just based on what he was able to do in his career. 10 years, 15 years, like people will be looking back and telling their kids about Tuka Raz. Like people have their pets named Tuka. Like, <laughs> come on. Um, well, so again, I, and, and like Kat said, it's the longevity, right? Like, like, yes, like Swayman exactly. looks good, and he could be elite for five years and still not sniff what Rast did. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, I, I, I do think like I forget who, who tweeted it, but I, I really do think like he is one of the very few athletes who legitimately did not like ever read anything that was said about him. Like, I think he just like showed up, played hockey, and like cared about what his teammates thought, and that was it. Then pounded I, don't, I, I, don't I think he, he probably like, did. I'm sure he players, heard about it through, but like, yeah, like through you know, it's impossible not to hear about some of it. But I don't think he like was going. He, he was never fed into Yeah, like he honestly just, and maybe it's just like like Kat said, just the insane like mental like almost like protection you have to have to just block everything out and just continue performing at an elite level. Um, but to me, it just like it seemed like, and, and again, maybe it was just, maybe that is just like we've seen how he is as a goalie. Like he was always so calm, even in like the most you know pressure filled moments, Stanley Cup Finals, like overtime, always looked very calm, except except for when he like was losing his shit. Okay, I'll, yeah, milk crate videos and that Bold sort of thing. Of and you. Stuff. Bold of I love, I, I will love say, the... I will say, 
during the skate blade and they made it like a Harry Potter meme. During during the Disney during, Channel where they yes, had, the Disney they had Channel too. That yeah, was so good. During I mean, he play was, was he not was somebody so... who would like let his his emotions like. Mm-hmm. And you know, after yeah. the whistle, it's a different story for sure. After he gets scored on, but like he he wasn't somebody that was like getting too anxious in the big moments and and coming way out of position or like flailing around. Like he always looked calm and in control from a goaltending perspective. And I feel like he reflected that same sort of like vibe off the ice where he was just like, nothing ever shook him. Like he didn't get too high. He didn't get too low, which is a huge cliche, but like he was just constantly like, yeah, I'm just doing my thing. And like, I want my team to win and I'm just going to keep being elite. Like, <laughs> see, I don't even, and, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Um, I don't even think of him as a super calm goaltender when he plays. Um, like, if I think about that era, the, the calmest looking goaltenders to me were always like Henrik Lundqvist and Corey Crawford. Yeah, and definitely Lundqvist. Rask, Rask was always, I think it was it was almost more of a confidence than a calmness because I think there that's were games better, yeah. where there were some games where he was overly aggressive, and there's there's one in particular from the playoffs. I think it was two or three years ago that I think showed that. Because he wasn't perfect, no goaltender is. I uh, he would get so so into his movement that sometimes he'd slide himself right out of position when he was mm-hmm. getting a little too dialed into the game. But but he was so confident in the way that he played. Like that's one of the things that I think uh, really worked against Martin Jones when he did his great decline a couple years ago and stayed down there. God bless him. Um, he he didn't look certain in what he was doing. You'd see him adjust his game on the fly during the game in ways that made him predictable. And I think part of Rask's unpredictability was that he, he just was so confident in the way that he was playing. And sometimes it didn't work. Sometimes he'd get a little too, a little too dialed in and he'd get a little too active in terms of his, his movement and the way that he was trying to set himself up. And he had some games that I, I really wished he was a little bit calmer in that. Um, and But he didn't look like he was floundering. He looked like he he knew what he... And I think that's part of how he was able to stay so so good for so long is he was, he was confident in what he was doing. And that was... Like, it reminded me almost of the way that Jonathan Quick plays. It's not not a very good style in my... I don't, I don't love how Jonathan Quick plays, but he owns it. Mm-hmm. He's fully aware of his movements and he's aware of how far out he takes himself from his crease and how far he overshoots his posts and how how explosive his lateral movement is. And you see the same kind of thing when you watch Marc-Andre Fleury. And you see it from Rask too. They're guys who understand that their style of play is not going to work perfectly every time, but they're confident in it and they're fully aware of how their movement takes them in the crease. They're precise with it. And they're not just, they're not just trying to make something work, which I think was so, so much fun to watch from a guy who is as fiery as Rask. Like, I think he, that's part of what made him so, so passionate sometimes after the whistle, you know, you'd see him brandish his skate blade at the ref because he was (laughs) fully confident that that was, that was not his fault. Yeah. And he was, you know, that wasn't something where he'd let that eat him up. 
like, oh no, I, I, I could have stopped and I could have tried to play through it. And instead I like went searching after my skate blade and brandished it at the officials. And he like, he owned that. And I think that helped him shake off some of like stuff like that. And some of the games where he did play a little weirdly and end up like he, like he had some stinkers, right? There were some games that we all kind of wish he'd played a little bit differently. Um, which is okay. Every goaltender has them. Yeah, and single but, goalie. <laughs> but he didn't. But he didn't look like he was having trouble figuring out what he was doing. He just looked like sometimes the way that he was playing wasn't wasn't clicking, and yeah. he was so fine with that. And it really was a lot of fun to watch because I think he he was kind of a unique looking goaltender in how he played. He he almost combined some of the calmness that we see from North American goalies and added in some of that chaos that the Finnish goalies love to bring to the table. And and that was super fun to watch. And I, I think I, I, we've talked about this before, like that calm, collective, confident coolness, like made him a little bit less exciting of a goaltender sometimes. And I think people had the impression of Tim Thomas who flies around everywhere and kind of lucked out with a lot of that shit. Um, and Tuka's just like such a good positional goaltender is just always in the right place at the right time that he doesn't need to dive across the crease like every game for a big save. <laughs> like he's just there. And so I think that led a lot of people to be like, when he does let up a goal, um what know. was he it's doing just... he wasn't even trying yeah exactly yeah. um yeah so i think just i think that, like... that left a little the tim thomas shadow loomed over him in the beginning <laughs> of his career and that kind of caused that bled into 2013 and from there it was an uphill battle until he yeah up, like... yeah that's true it's kind yeah, of the funny timing you... was tough yeah it's kind of funny you say that though because i think uh like looking ahead we're kind of seeing some of that shadow on Jeremy Swayman already Um, (laughs) in the sense that I think one of the things that nobody fully appreciated about Rask was he was such a good communicator with his teammates. Like we watch the defense now and I know a couple of people have sort of sort of ragged on Linus Olmark and they've, I've seen some criticisms of how the goalies in Boston right now play the puck and they say they're bad at it. And I think a lot of it, is that Rask and his defensive core, even when it was like fucking Kevin Miller, Dennis Seid, like the corpse of Dennis Seidenberg and a half in, like a half broken Adam McQuaid, like good luck with that. And he still understood that, like he had such good spatial awareness of his teammates too. And he had such good spatial understanding and ability to communicate and translate that into good defensive zone breakouts. Um, not in the same way that you see some of the real puck handling heavy goalies play it, but you still saw it nonetheless. And we're, we're seeing some growth from Jeremy Swayman and from Lena Solmark there where they haven't quite found that, that rhythm that comes from being a mainstay on a team for so long. And I think we're, we're kind of seeing some of that, that shadow casting right now in, in terms of the criticisms that we're getting from for the new guys. Yeah, it's been tough shoes to fill for the last couple of goalies skates. in Boston for sure. Tough skates, tough skates, tough tendy skates to fill for sure. Um, I had some other point as well that I'm I'm forgetting now, but I derailed you. Sorry. No, it was it was off the your previous point, but 
And then uh, I it was just off. the the like I I think you you did sum it up better with the confidence. I guess is is really more than a calmness. Is like and I think that it kind of extended to definitely us as fans and I think probably the team as well of just like you know part of it was just the track record they earned himself but like you were confident when Rask was in that that like yes you were going to have the occasional stinker like every goalie has it's that's the nature of the beast being a goalie but you were never worried about like sustained poor play from Tuga he just didn't have it like there was, you know, he had early in the season, sometimes it would take him a month or so to get, you know, really up to speed. Even then, he was never really bad. He'd have a couple bad games, but, like... He'd be league average. Yeah, he'd you'd look at his stretches, serious. and he'd usually be at least league average, usually a little bit above. And then he would kick it into this elite status come, like, the holiday season. And just kind of having that for so long, like, you just never were worried for, like, a long period of time like he wasn't going to be ready, which is ironic because that's, like, his you know whatever the haters who like don't know shit about uh, playing goalie or anything like are like oh he didn't do the big thing like you know he can't can't win the big game like no there's very few people that i would rather like bring into a game seven brass because you know obviously every goalie has that chance of laying egg but very few people did it at the pace that he did for so long and i saw this i clipped this earlier from the hockey news because this really wraps it up into like one statistic, but if you track his 12 season period from when he became an NHL regular during the 20 or 2009 2010 season until the end of last season, he had the best save percentage among any of the 49 goalies who started at least 200 games over that span. So that's that's a of goalies, literally just under 50 who were like played at least 200 games. Those are like veteran NHL goalies at that point. And he had the best save percentage among any of them. That tells you all you need to know. Like, I think his worst, I was looking at this earlier, I think his worst season save percentage was a 9-12. Like, that was him. Oh, no, that's so game. terrible. Like, then that happened. I think he had one 9-12 and one 9-13. And other than that, it was pretty much Well, you know, like, some of those crazy. seasons, some of those seasons, he just couldn't win the big games. Yeah, exactly. But you could win the big game. There you go. DraftKings Sportsbook. <laughs> the moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, like Saturday Night Live, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get $280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 plus minimum agent location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. For a prohibited gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. How are you, Very nice. And speaking of which, we all asked, 
you guys to send in you guys being our listeners uh to send in your favorite two grass Wait, you memory. didn't ask me no oh well, i guess i sort of you do follow us so um sending and your i now memory, do we said. and finally one of our one of our responders had a nice a 69 nice in there in their username so we'll start with them one of our first respondents was william neenant William Nylander's 69% IPP parentheses nice, aka at mostly leafies. And he said his favorite moment, or rather their favorite moment of Tuga Rask's career was when he got drafted by the Leafs, as we had already covered. <laughs> uh, that was obviously, I think, just a, a William Nylander slash Leafs fan account. Um, Clark... Neil Lyons, our good friend, said 2013 Eastern Conference Final, <clears throat> favorite RAS memory. That was Pittsburgh, yeah. That was against Pittsburgh. I think a couple people said that. Um, I remember I know, seeing game for the Game 4 sh- uh, shutout. Yeah, Sean Rajot had uh, the 2013 Eastern Conference Final against the Penguins. Not only the series he had, but specifically this against, again, of all players, this being the Game 4 shutout to defeat the Pittsburgh Penguins who were the hot shit that year. I remember going into that and everybody was pardon my French for lack of a better term, jerking off the Penguins as the team to beat uh, not only in the East, but in the NHL after they had added Jerome McGinley. Of course, this was right after the Bruins thought they were going to add Jerome McGinley the first time he ended up going to Pittsburgh. Bruins would go on to sweep them in the Easter conference final four games to nothing on the back of can't win the big games, but he had a one to nothing shutout win in <laughs> the winning game four, including a disgusting I, glove save on Jerome McGinley with half a second left in the game to win the series. Sean, excellent fucking choice, dude. I'm fired up just watching that video on repeat. I right now. I was lucky enough to be at that game. Oh, of course you were. Oh, it's amazing. You're a piece yeah. of shit. <laughs> it's that game five against Montreal and then a couple against Toronto, not game seven, so but um Wow. But yeah, so that I, I I nearly forgot about that, like as in like he was he was a goalie that game for some reason. Um, that's gonna have to be mine too. I was trying to think of one of my own, and I think that has to be it. That was a great one. Um, Mark at Mark Pacelli thirteen tweeted us a picture and said, "This moment still gives me chills. It is the Game Seven 2019 Stanley Cup Final intro." Uh, at TD Garden when they, you know, were doing the, the pregame lineups. And it's a pretty badass picture. It's just Rass standing on the ice outside the crease with spotlight on him looking locked in as fuck as he always was. Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely a good one. Uh, Chrissy Rose at Chrissy Rose with some extra letters in there. You'll have to figure that out yourself. Said this one is purely personal. On a bigger scale, there's too many to name, but she linked to her previous tweet. Making a lifelong dream of mine come true by seeing the Bruins win in person in a Stanley Cup final. Not only did they win, but Rask got a shutout. Going to miss the Tuka Chan at TD. A couple pictures from Rask's shutout. Which game did they – this is definitely an old one. This is 20 – this is 2011, I think. Yeah, there's Johnny Boychuk. And, oh, no, is this – no, it's no, it wouldn't be 2011 because he wasn't starting. No, sorry, you're right. Yeah, it would have to be 2013. No, it's 2013. Yeah, I saw Johnny Boychuk and uh, Krejci and Nathan Horton, and I immediately thought 2011 and Ference. But yeah, obviously, damn, so many of them were still around. 
That's a bummer. Dennis Seidenberg. Wow. Dude, I love a boy Chuck Ferentz fucking on that on that defense now. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. Um, some other respondents, Rob Schlosser and <laughs> Schlosser. I think it's Schlosser. It's a hard last name to say. Schlosser. <laughs> Rob Schlosser. <laughs> Rob, Rob Schlosser, a.k.a. Rob Schloss 33, said literally just the entire 2019 run. I wanted that con smite for him so badly. Uh, our good friend Jess Belmosto, sending her best, by the way, Jess. Love you. Uh, also said 2019 cup run that whole team is special but Tuka was something else that 2019 playoff run was incredible that was like that was so good you you can't expect to compare anything to the the 2010 11 heater that Tim Thomas went on pretty much wire to wire but especially through the playoffs that Tuka performance was as close as you can get I think I I was in Breckenridge for oh hell an yeah. early chunk of that run um at the at the goalie guild retreat and we all went out to the bar a couple of the nights and just like watched the games um and we had a we had this really cool lift the mask talk that was like the closed door like nobody videotaped it or anything so we obviously all had our phones off um during one of the bruins i think it was a i think it was game one of the bruins blues um and so I had my phone like sitting down on a chair, checking the score. And like, I had the, I had the game on, on someone else's phone. And we were like, all the goalies are sitting there, like trying to pay attention and engage. Cause it was an important talk, but we were all like checking our phones and watching it. Cause I'm, <laughs> like, how could you not be? It's a goalie yeah. camp. Like, come on. It was, it was ridiculous because we were supposed to have, um, we were supposed to have the, uh, the blues goalie coach there and um he wasn't able to make it because they were in the stanley cup final and so obviously he wasn't able to like fly out to colorado to to hang out with us but i made it back to houston to visit my parents where i had like unceremoniously dumped my child just in time to go watch the last couple games uh at this bar downtown in houston where i remember i i went down for the the last game game seven and not not a fun watch but really fun getting to getting to see how many Bruins fans were there and some guy yelled at me that I was gutless for wearing my Brad Marchand shirt and <laughs> got into like a very very aggressive verbal altercation which I uh, since moving to Arizona I really haven't been able to be a super vocal Bruins fan um just because I've, I've been employed by the Coyotes for parts of it and covered the Blackhawks for parts of it. So I had to be pretty, pretty neutral. But like, I think for that one, I hadn't officially signed back on to cover the Coyotes the following year quite yet. I hadn't agreed to do it. Um, so I was like, fuck it. I'm going to put on my Martian shirt. I'm going to scream. And so I got to, got to go and watch like in a bar setting, the last Tuka Rask, like Stanley Cup final game, which is that that felt pretty pretty special, and I think that's the last time I watched a game in a bar period, which is wild. So yeah, a little bit of shit has happened since then. That would yeah yeah it's been a little harder to watch games in bars since then. Um, yeah, but yeah, what a time. Oh yeah, that's the time. full uh, 
that's the full like Bruins fan, especially Brad Marchand fan experience right there is being called <laughs> gutless. It by really a was. Bar. Yeah. This, it was a, like it was like a table of blues fans all sitting together and I'd like gone up to get another drink and I've been trying to be pretty quiet throughout it. Uh one of my buddies lived over in Finland, so he was asleep during the game and he was like, but text me all the updates like want to know how Rask does. And so I was like texting him every time Rask made a good save. Mm-hmm. And this guy looks over and he goes, Martian, fucking gutless. You know that? I was like, yeah, I am. Fucking nice boys. I'm really, I'm really representing Chris well on this podcast. It's good stuff. It's good. Yeah. You mean you're representing Catwell because you are Chris. Because <laughs> I am Chris. Yes. Of course. Uh, a couple more responses. State of Hoppy, our good friends on the Hockey Podcast Network, said that one time he, obviously Rask, was top five goalie in the league, which just so happened to spend his entire career in Bruins fans. Most certainly aren't idiots for underappreciating him. Uh, that's a great favorite That's moment. delightful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just all 12 years. Remember, I, I had guest start, like, guest start. Wow, guest I was a guest on there. <laughs> 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 that's how i look at it it's a tv show <laughs> exactly um, <laughs> my whole life is a tv show no um it's a true i show. remember the like i was show <laughs> <laughs> sorry continue continue oh my good god um i uh wow no i remember i went on there like shortly after we joined the network i think they invited us all on and just worked for me that night and like i kind of like broke that news to him that there was like a good portion of Bruins fans who like were we considered Rask haters and just like kind of shat on him even though he's an elite goaltender and they were shocked when I told them that which I guess like that's something like unless you're on social media like Bruins social media or you're listening to like local radio and TV then like you're not going to know about that that's not something that's talked about on a national level and shit so I just remember them being absolutely shocked by that, which, you know, outside perspective, I can understand that completely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, all right, our final response. Well, we also got one from Lancey that said, does this mean I have to record another thing? Which I'm going to like, again, hopefully it records another thing. Um, Andrew Smith said, favorite Rass moment. Went to a game he started in 2011 with Columbus fan at Kirk Johnson 23. Oh, sorry, in Columbus with at Kirk Johnson 23, who was a Blues fan. Tuca was backing up Timmy Thomas at the time, but he started and stood on his head. He said, parentheses, Z also broke the glass with a slap shot that game. Uh, and apparently Kirk said, that guy is your backup. <laughs> and obviously went on to become one of the greats. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a pretty good summation of, of early career two grass for sure. Mm-hmm. Is just looking around like, oh man, that's, that kid's gonna be good, and yeah. boy, was he fucking good! Yeah. So, by the way, my uh, my five year old, who has been a an infrequent guest on on Brews and Bruins here, overheard us talking about Tuka Rask. Yeah. And uh, Isabel, who's the? Yes, he's on. Yes, who's the best goalie in the world? Tuka. 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 You heard it here first. She has re she has refashioned um tricky that run DMC song. Yeah. To say Tuka Rask in it. And she like chants it. Chris and I have it recorded on our computers. If you can she's older. 
Yeah, I guess when she's over, <laughs> I think he's, a great cold he might open. be saving it. He <laughs> honestly might be saving it as like a cold open for something. Um, That'd be great. But yeah, there, there we go. That was our last fan submission, I guess. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, I, look, it's it's pretty it's pretty hard to like overstate how incredible Tuka's career was and and how much he means to this Bruins team. Um, a couple quick just to wrap it up. Go around. We can go around here. Um, I don't think we're gonna have too much variability in the answers, but for the sake of the pod, we already I think all the consensus agree Rask is the best goalie in Bruins history. And my next question was, do you retire his number? I think seeing as he's yes. the, the best goalie, the, the the best player in the most important position on the team in the franchise history, I think it's a no-brainer you retire 40. Mm-hmm. Um, Unless you're fame, Mike Milbury, who said that. Yeah, well, Mike Milbury, I know, I saw the headline earlier, and I was like, you're a fucking clown, dude. Stop. I, I It pissed me off that that showed up on my screen. I was like, why are we talking? Like, who cares? No one cares. should have censored Mike Milbury. Mike Milbury. <laughs> Honestly. Um, Hall of Fame, I I think should be first ballot. I think you put him right up there with Lundqvist, but um, yeah, you know, I understand I like agree. Lundqvist was an icon across the NHL. I don't think Rask quite got that across the NHL recognition like like King Hank did. And, and Lundqvist, um, he he's in New York City, like that's yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, had if the you stuff. catch on with that fan base alone, everyone's yeah. gonna know about it, you know. I mean, Lundqvist went on Jimmy Fallon and his yeah, jersey guitar. And backdrop of like half of the movie and like Amy Schumer's train wreck. Like he's, yeah. he's, he's everywhere. It's a cultural icon thing at that point when you're playing for the Rangers. Yeah. Um, but I think he's, he's got to be considered as first ballot, right? I think easily Hall of Fame across the board. Yeah. You guys yeah. agree? I, I, would, I think, I, I think again, like you look at the, the stats for his, the span of his career and he was number one. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think first ballot Hall of Famer, I, I hope happens. He, I think he's earned it. Um, the last thing I want to just like at least point out because we haven't really addressed it, we've been talking so much about his game here, but of course, he is more than just the goalie, he is a person incredible, I know. Um, and by all accounts, an incredible one. I mean, you, you saw all the tributes to his, his stats and his game and everything over the last couple of days. Um, but you've seen so many former teammates from Sean Thornton to guys who covered him once to guys who covered him, you know, throughout his entire career, just saying, you know, this is, this is a player who really truly cared about the community and went above and beyond, you know, didn't just do the the team hospital trip, but like, I I saw one, I forget who the, the person who wrote it was, but long story short was like, oh, they worked at, I think the, some special ward of like a children's hospital. And it was like, Rask is somebody who I saw come in here and and interacted with people like no one else has seen before. Like genuinely, just stayed here longer than anyone I've seen, and just like hung out with the kids because he wanted to, not because it was the team PR stint. Um, and just by all accounts, obviously an incredible goalie, but just an excellent person who like really made Boston his home, um, and 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 expressed himself in the community in ways that a lot of athletes don't. So I just want to kind of tip my cap, like as if he wasn't such a, a, a player you could root for between his skill and his passion on the ice, just truly seems like somebody who is an excellent person off of it. And that, that definitely deserves recognition. There are very few goalies who, uh, cause when, when they do post game media, essentially it's, you get the players that 
that have been requested by by media and you all get to do them in a scrum and if you need someone one-on-one -on -one, you're, you're given like a like a two-minute window to kind of get a few extra quotes from them and then everybody moves out into the hallway and it's coach um and I've only had three goalies in like the history I've I've covered the league for coming up on a decade here and uh only three goalies have talked so much that I missed their coach because they didn't stop like they just wanted to talk shop and have fun um and one of them was Auntie Ranta who would talk to a brick wall I think if you let him um one was James Reimer and one was Rask I mean he was down to talk about I missed getting to interview Brad Marchand because he was like hey we we did this scrum you're you're within goal do you want to do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one? and some guys say that they're too busy you know they have to get all their equipment on the bus they want to just get back to their hotel and he was he was down to talk just as like just shooting the shit and I still have his interview saved in case I ever want to go back through and like pull specific quotes from it. And it's long. Like I was going through trying to delete stuff off my phone because I don't have space anymore. And I was like, this one would, this would give me so much more space. And I was like, I, I, I can't do it. I got to save it. <laughs> so truly just like, he's funny, but he, he was just nice. Like he, I think he genuinely enjoyed being there and not just being there to play, which he did, but like being there to have fun. And some guys considered the other aspects, like you said, like the the hospitals and and visiting the kids and doing the street like the street hockey clinics. They they consider that stuff chores that are necessary parts of playing in the league. It's like doing your laundry to have clothes to wear. Mm -hmm. I think he considered that like a, a part of the job in a like in a fun way which is yeah. cool and it's it's kind of rare so yeah hopefully jeremy swayman he seems like he's kind of the same way which is incredibly fortunate for for the bruins i think cross my fingers I think <laughs> it's so fortunate if it actually works money, out right? yeah especially but, like imagine three-time stanley time. cup champion jeremy swayman uh, three-time con smythe winning <laughs> hugging everybody he sees with that like big bear hug then they retire one finally Finally. Finally, it's just like I don't know. It just bothers me that one in six aren't retired, and the rest of them through ten are or nine are. Anyway, that's <laughs> okay. next week's episode. We're going to be talking about <laughs> my OCD around the Bruins. Why I want to be Lula Morello by Drew Johnson. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Well. Uh, We'll have plenty more to say about Rask, I'm sure, in the in the coming decades. <laughs> um, coming decades. <laughs> but, and and we'll let we'll let Chris get his take. No, um, we won't. Well, he just did. On. Sorry, we'll let Kat get her take. I speak. I speak on. for both of us. <laughs> I speak for the trees. Um, I can't say that. That's that's unfair. For the record, I don't. <laughs> no, no. I mean, to be no, fair, I'm like fine. everything Chris is gonna be is yeah, what she said. She <laughs> definitely knows more than any of us do. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Fucking do the like and subscribe <laughs> and whatever. Uh, fucking rate us five stars or don't. Uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, and shout out DraftKings and the Hockey Podcast Network. 
Cat, thanks for always. Go bet on the Rams, right? Go bet on the fucking Rams, baby. Let's go Rams. Come on. Fun me and facts. Richie, me and Richie are, are going to host our own episode if 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 the Rams pull it I'm so Sunday. scared. Uh, Corey, uh, Corey's parents invited us to go over and watch the game at their house. Oh, and my Jesus. boss has a like a bar in her backyard with two TVs. And she was like, anyone who wants to come over and watch the game, like, come over. And Richie went, I'm not going to lie, guys. Like, I don't know if I want to. Like, I don't yeah. know if I want anyone to see me like this. Like, what's going to happen at their house? I think it needs to happen it. at ours. I think, so I think, I think I it's, it. like, just going to be me and him and Izzy, like, trying to contain either his exuberance or his despondency. We'll, we'll yeah. see how it goes. I'm going to be at fucking You're gonna be a work. <laughs> I'm going to be at work. Yeah. I'm going to come into work early on Sunday. In fucking Knock work. out a television show like several hours beforehand so I can get at least an hour to like just like crawl into the fetal position in the corner before the game and then afterwards hopefully celebrate um and then I also thought it would be a brilliant idea to sign up for a guest spot on a podcast at 10 a.m the next morning so everybody send your prayers my way (laughs) Uh, hopefully I can make it and uh yeah we'll, we'll see anyway we'll see you next time Fucking long live Tuca. Bore you to the fucking rat.